Hey, if you've got a, a Bible there, would you turn with me please to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. If you've been in church for any length of time, you'll know this passage. We talk about it a lot. We believe it and we stand on it. And it goes like this. Paul, the apostle, follower of Jesus Christ, he writes to a bunch of churches in a region called Philippi. And he makes this statement to them and we believe it to be true. He says this, he says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. In other words, my God will supply everything that you, his followers, need according to the infinite resource bank that he has at his disposal. It's interesting, Paul doesn't say that God's supply is limited by what's available down here on earth. He doesn't say that God's hands are tied financially by a stock market. He doesn't say that God's resources are being delayed. My wife ordered something online the other day and uh, she paid for the express postage because it was my daughter's birthday and we wanted to get it here on time. And cut a long story short, they ended up sending it uh, a much, much longer period. They took the express post money, but it took a lot longer to get here. My wife uh, got online and was asking them, what is going on? You charged express. She told me it'd be here in a few days. And they said, well, because of coronavirus, everything is delayed. It's not getting there on time. Well, God's not being limited by coronavirus and he's not delaying the meeting of our needs. You see, God is outside of time and space and his resource bank is outside the realm of the natural resources that we have. He's not limited by a financial crisis or a stock market crash. He's not limited by what my employer says that they will pay me or what they think I'm worth. I believe in a God that has a resource bank that's way outside the realm of this natural taste see, touch, feel, well. And this is what Paul's saying. He's saying that our God can provide all of our needs according to his massive resource bank and not necessarily according to ours. That's a great thing. I'm sure there are many people out there right now that are sitting in their lounge room amening that because your natural resource bank is shrinking and is limited. Maybe you feel like it's been completely pulled out from underneath your feet. But Paul's confident of this, that our God is able to provide all of our needs. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about this issue of needs. Because if you're like me, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, maybe you're a bit more advanced than I am, sometimes what I think I need is not really what I need. And sometimes I look at my life situations and I think, this is the thing that is going to fill that space. This is the thing that's necessary to get through this situation. But really, what's necessary to get through that situation is something way over here. But I'm fixed in the way I think about life. I've got a certain pattern, the way I see the world around me, the way I view my situation and my circumstances. I am a product of upbringing, of culture, of the voices that have been around my life. And when I come to God, all of a sudden I have a different culture and a different set of voices. But sometimes a lot of the old stuff can still be there. Let me give you a couple of examples. A few years ago, I was working for an organisation called Youth with a Mission. And I remember I was taking a team of young international students, people from all over the world, over to India. And we were going to do some outreach over in India. And we all gathered together one day to pray because we needed to see money come on in so we could buy our air tickets so that we could get over to India where we all felt God was calling us to go and to do what we believe he wanted us to do over in that nation. And so I remember gathering these people together and we were praying and an old, more seasoned man of God came up to me and asked me a simple question. He said to me, Alan, what do you need right now? I said, well, I need money to get an air ticket. He said to me, So what you actually need is an air ticket. You don't need money, you need an air ticket. And God's not limited to just giving you money to get an air ticket to you. God could easily get an air ticket to you in any other way that he chose. In fact, you don't even need an air ticket. What you need is to be in India at a certain 
time. You could even maybe go there by a boat. God could do any kind of number of things. And I thought about that statement and I thought, you know what, you're actually right. What I really need is just simply to get to India. But I was locked in thinking what I needed was money to buy an air ticket to get to India. But God could have got me there in so many other ways. In fact, I've got a friend of mine who was coming back from an outreach that he'd done over in Europe. And he tells a story to me one time of flying back. He had enough money to get there. And on the way back, he had enough money simply to get to one of the uh, airports in the United States. And he got off the plane, the airport in the United States, and he had no money and no way of getting from there uh, further on. And when he got to the airport, he said a lady approached him at the airport. And she said, are you such and such? And he said, well, actually, yes, I am. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and she handed him, uh, whether it was the air ticket or the money for the air ticket for the rest of the leg to get him home. He shared that story with me. And again, it just reiterated to me that, you know what, we, 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 sometimes we think we know what we need, but God has other ways to get things to us. And God sometimes has things that he wants to teach us along the way as well. In that case, to trust God, even when it seems impossible. There's another time where we were living in India and my wife and my uh, eldest son Caleb, we were there and I remember we got to a point at one stage where we ran out of money and we were sitting down one night to eat a bowl of rice uh, for dinner. And I remember thinking at that time that my prayer life was God money. We need money, we need money, we need money. Why do I need money? Well, because you need money to buy food. And all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and we open up the door and there's this Indian pastor and his wife were there. And they're carrying bags of food. And they said, look, the Lord spoke to us. We believe God told us to come and to give you food. They knew nothing about our situation. They could be forgiven for thinking because we were Western. We probably had it all covered financially, but we certainly didn't. We were trusting God every step of the way while we were over there. But they walked in and they handed us these groceries. You see, God knows my address. He knows my bank account details. He knows my email. He's got my phone number. And God knows how to get his unlimited resource to me at any point that he chooses to. But in both those situations, I learned something. Sometimes I get so locked in on what I think the need is. But the need is actually something different. Here I am over here praying and petitioning God, saying, this is the need, and God, can you provide my need? But God's going, you know what, I've got another way of providing that need for you. You know, I was thinking when I came in here today about the story of Solomon. I don't know if you know much about Solomon, but there's a pivotal point in the life of this young man. Solomon's about 19, 20 years of age when he inherits the nation of Israel. I guess he becomes the king. Now, it wouldn't have been an easy job. Solomon had taken over from a great man. You might have heard of him. His name was David. And yeah, his father had this reputation you probably heard of too. He was a man after God's own heart. I mean, that would be tough steps to follow for any person. But all of a sudden, here's Solomon, 19, 20 years of age. He is the king. And at this point in his life, he has a dream. And in that dream, God appears to him. And I want to have a look at that story this morning. In 1 Kings chapter 3, you'll find it. But I'm going to read it from 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. And it goes like this. It says, On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask. What shall I give you? Ask, what shall I give you? What an amazing moment that must have been for Solomon. What would you have answered to God that night if you were there? If God came to you right now, tonight, you laid your head down to sleep, and God came to you, and he said to you, in the midst of everything that's going on in your world, all the myriad of needs that you may find yourself having, and God asked you the question, he said, ask, what do you want from me? 
What do you think you would say to him? And he goes on in verse 8, And Solomon said to God, he said, You've shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established. For you've made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. There are millions of people here that all of a sudden he has inherited and he is the king of. Following in the footsteps of a man after God's own heart, his father David. Now verse 10, watch this. He says, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? I love Solomon's heart. You know, Solomon could have asked for any number of things. He could have said, God, the pressure of being king of such a large multitude of people, would you take the pressure away from me and alleviate the pressure and the strain on my life? He could have asked for the resources to make the job easier. God, give me the tangible things, the people, the armies, the soldiers, the weaponry. Uh, God, can you give me those things that are going to make this job easier for me? He could have asked for that. He could have asked, God, could you make my life a little more comfortable? This is going to be a difficult trek. Could you make my life just that little bit more comfortable? He could have asked for any number of things. But Solomon in that moment, says to God, here's what I want you to give me, God. I want you to give me wisdom. I want you to give me wisdom. I wonder if God came to you tonight or to me, whether our heart would answer the same way. Would we say to God, God, of all the things that are on offer right now, think about it, God said, ask me whatever you want. Of all the things on offer, Solomon thought about it. And he said, God, I need wisdom. Now, why did Solomon ask for wisdom? Well, he gives us a little bit of insight in his own response to God. He says, for who can judge this great people of yours? In other words, Solomon's there and he goes, I need wisdom, not just for myself, but because my decisions and choices are going to have an impact on others as well. I want you to think about that. He's saying, God, give me wisdom because what I'm about to do, the decisions, the choices, the attitudes, the things that come out of me, they're going to have an impact on other people as well. Give me wisdom because my decisions and choices are going to have an impact on other people as well. How many of you know that we're going through a difficult situation at the moment? And the actions and attitudes that you display and that come out of you are going to have consequences for other people. Other people are going to be impacted and affected by the way you deal with and you manage life right now. It's not just about you. It's not just about how you feel or how you're coping. That's important. But... It's also about those around me. I find myself in isolation right now in my home. And in my home at the moment, I have my wife, uh, my youngest son, and my daughter. So there's four of us living in that house. And the actions and the attitudes and the decisions that we make in that space 
have a consequence and an impact on everybody else in that space. And maybe you're finding the same thing in your own home right now. Solomon realised this at an early age, at an early stage of his leadership over the nation of Israel. He said, God, I need wisdom because I'm going to be making decisions and choices that will impact the lives of other people. You know, if there's anything that we need right now in this season of life, I believe it's wisdom. I believe every one of us watching right now, we can list off, look, I've lost my job, I need money. I've uh, uh, you know, uh, got this situation that's changed, I need this, I need that. We've got all the needs and things we can see on the surface. But beyond that, I actually believe the greatest need that every one of us have at the moment is the need for wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. You know what I know about church? We have so much knowledge floating around church at the moment. Um, you can binge on church knowledge if you want to. Books, podcasts, uh, videos, online church, a bit like you're watching now, online preachers. We can binge on information about God. But just because we know stuff doesn't mean that we know how to outwork that stuff. And wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge that we have and apply that knowledge into a working model. A working model that works for you as an individual. What works for me won't necessarily work for you. The wisdom of how life works out for you will be a little bit different to how it works out for me. But I need wisdom because I need to know how to put this knowledge, this information, into practice in my life. Let me throw a few thoughts at you, something for you to think about. How do we not hurt each other in isolation? When you're, you're living in close quarters with people, even though you love them, how many of you are noticing that, that you're having more time with people than you normally would? And so maybe uh, there's a saying in Proverbs 27, it says, iron sharpens iron. Maybe you've heard of it where you take two bits of iron and, and the idea is that you rub iron and iron and they both get sharper, they both get better. Both pieces of iron get better and they talk about that with relationships. Get around good people and, and you rub off and they'll sharpen you and they'll make you better. But sometimes, even though iron sharpens iron, if you rub two sticks together, what do, you, what do you get? They don't get sharper, you get fire. Just watch Castaway with Tom Hanks. You rub two sticks together and you'll get fire. And maybe at the start of this, maybe you felt like at the beginning it was iron sharpening iron. We're all rubbing off on each other in our household in a really good way. Now it looks like a household full of sticks and there are spot fires popping up everywhere. How do we get through this season of isolation without burning one another? And without hurting one another? Well, the answer is this. We need divine wisdom from God. How do you manage the family budget in these new economic times? You know, if you're like us, we have gone through all the protocols and we're trying to cut down on what's going out. We're taking government advice. We're doing what we can. But there's millions of people out there doing it. It's taking a long time to process that stuff. So all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where there's less coming in, but there's more going out. A lot of the outgoings haven't ceased or slowed down, but the incomings have definitely ceased. So you've got to sit down and get around that budget and you've got to work out, okay, what's important and what's not important. And sometimes that doesn't just impact you. Sometimes that might impact the other members of your household. How do we do it in such a way that we're meeting the needs, uh, the most important needs of everybody in the household and nobody's feeling neglected or left out? How do we budget in these new economic times? Well, the answer is this. We need wisdom. We need divine wisdom from God. How do I keep my employees in their jobs? 
I know we've got some people in the life of Horizon, uh, they've got employees in their care. And they're very aware at the moment, this time, that those employees have mortgages. Those employees have children to feed. Those employees have school fees to pay, car repayments, etc., etc. The list goes on. And they're aware that the decisions that they're making right now are going to have an impact on their employees and an impact on the lifestyle of those employees. And they care for these employees. They're like an extension of their family. So they're wrestling with that. How do you make those decisions? Well, you need divine, God-sent wisdom. If need be, how do you let people go? If you're in that situation where you run a business and you've got to let people go, how do you do that? How do you let people go but maintain uh, their dignity? How do you let them go but at the same time encourage them in the process? I mean, these are difficult times and difficult things that you need to do. How do you do that? Well, I believe just like Solomon cried out in the night and said to God, hey, of everything I need right now, I need wisdom. I believe that that's you. You need wisdom if you're in that position and you need to do that sort of stuff. How do I stay physically and mentally and emotionally fit through this particular period of isolation? How do I do that? Well, you know what? I need wisdom. Maybe some of you were in a habit of playing sport and now you don't do that anymore. Maybe you went to a gym and you had a routine and a system and somebody maybe they're barking orders at you to motivate you. You don't have that anymore, but you know it. Hey, I've got to stay physically fit. I've got to stay uh, mentally fit. I've got to stay emotionally healthy. How do I do all that in the current climate with the new regime and the, 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 the restrictions that are upon us? How do I do that? Well, I want to say to you, the answer is this. You need wisdom. You need divine wisdom from God in order to do that. And you need to be doing that. Why? Because my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health, those areas of my life, guess what? They have an impact on the people around me. As well, It's not just about me. Solomon said, God, give me wisdom. Why? Because I've got to make decisions and choices that are going to impact the lives of the people around me. That's why I need wisdom. It's not just for me, God. I need wisdom because I know that my life is going to rub up against those around me. And I need wisdom to make sure that the harm, that the damage, that the potential hurt is minimised. I need to make choices to ensure that there is grace, that there is mercy, that there is love in that environment. How do we do that? Well, you know what? We need divine wisdom. We need wisdom from God, wisdom from heaven. How do I stay spiritually fit at this time? You know, some people, we're in the routine of coming to church on a Sunday morning, and, and I'm sure that this is nobody watching right now, But I'm sure there are people out there and the only time you ever pick up your Bible is when you walk into the doors of a church building. Well, you don't have that routine anymore. You don't have someone standing up the front saying, I want you to turn to this page. I want you to interpret this text or this scripture this way. Here's what God is saying. You don't have somebody necessarily doing that and and coaching you along those lines. You don't have the momentum of a group of people lifting their hands in praise and worship around you. And isn't it amazing in those worship environments where sometimes we get caught up in the momentum of it and we're meant to, it's a good thing. And we get ecstatic and we love worshipping God. But when that environment is taken away, how do we maintain that? It's, It's too simplified to just say, just do it. You need wisdom to know how to do it. Just do it is the knowledge... Wisdom is how do you, in your circumstance, just do it. 
How do I maintain healthy, life-giving relationships through this period? You know, I believe we're going to get out the other end of this and normal is going to look different. It's not just what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, but all of the experts that I'm reading, medically, uh, uh, government, uh, scientific, economical, they're all saying the same thing, that when life goes back to normal, the normal that we go back to will be a little bit different. There'll be changes. In other words, we're going to come into this one way, we're going to go out another way. But there'll be one thing that will actually be maintained and constant. And that'll be the relationships that we went in with. But what are they going to be like when we come out? How do we maintain those relationships with the ones that we live in close quarters with? But also, how do we maintain the relationships with maybe those that that we have relationship with who we can't no longer see face to face? Are we utilising the technology we have? Do we pick up the phone? Do we text? Do we ring? Do we get on Zoom? Are we on the computer? Are we maintaining those relationships? How do we do that when we have so many of our own needs going on right now? How do we do that? Well, here's how we do it. You need divine wisdom. The way that we get through situations like this is we need divine wisdom. And maybe, just maybe, that's part of the great opportunity that we find ourselves in as a church and a nation right now. You know, we have been kind of pushed along a certain path. We've been caught up with the traffic. We've been going with the flow for so long. Maybe some of us have sort of lost our way a little bit with some of these areas. Maybe we've lost our way. We used to listen to God. We used to pray. We used to believe that the Holy Spirit could speak to us on the inside. We used to move in the direction that the Spirit of God was pushing us. We used to rely on God as our source. But now we've become really good at so many things that maybe God is just the one we refer to as we go about our life and we go about our business. Even within Christianity, maybe we know so much about God that now we're almost on autopilot. We've got an answer for every problem. I mean, if you go to bookstores, uh, Christian bookstores and so on, it amazes me the, the, the shelves and shelves of books that guarantee you three steps to this, the two ways to that, the five steps to this. And while I believe in divine principles with all my heart, I do. I just know this life is not that black and white and that simple. And if there's ever been a season or a time where we've been given an opportunity to be called back to the wisdom of God, I believe it's right now. We're being called back as a church to the wisdom of God. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. James says this in the New Testament. He says, my brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, I want you to follow the train of thought here that James is going on. It starts with testings and trials. James starts with testings and trials, but the end result is that you would be complete and lacking nothing. So he goes, testings and trials will be the beginning point of this. But the end result of the testing and the trial is that you would come out the other end and you'd be lacking nothing. Now that doesn't mean that you will be absolutely perfect when you come out of the trial. What he's saying is this, that when you go into trials and testing times and hard times, 
If you're listening to God and cooperating with God and, and, and doing what God's asking you to do in that season, that process, then the end result is that you'll learn everything that you need to learn through the process. And when you come out, you'll be lacking nothing. You won't have missed the lessons that were to be learnt. You would have learnt them. Therefore, you come out the other end of the trial lacking nothing. But how do you go into the trial and how do you come out the other end lacking nothing? Well, James goes straight in in verse 5 and he tells us, how do you go into a trial but come out of a trial lacking nothing? And the answer won't surprise you because we've just been talking about it. It's wisdom. And here's what he says in verse 5. He says, if any of you, if any of you, that's you, that's me, that's the person uh, uh, watching that doesn't normally uh, uh, go to church, I believe that God wants to give you wisdom. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show himself to you. But he says this, if any of you lack wisdom, anyone lacks wisdom, here's what you do. He says, you ask of God. You ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And here's the promise. He says, if you will ask God, then he will give it to you. Let me read it again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. God's not looking for a reason not to give you wisdom. In fact, he's got wisdom there in bucket loads that he wants to give to you. You might have reasons why you feel like you can't ask for it. But he's not sitting there going, that's a valid reason. He's going, hey, I'll give it to you liberally without reproach. I just want to give you wisdom, but I've got one condition. I want you to take the time to stop and come to me, and I want you to ask. I want you to come to me, and I want you to ask for wisdom. I don't know about you, but I know this. I've never been through anything like this that we're currently going through. I've never felt the types of pressures that are trying to get on me right now. I've never had to navigate through the circumstances that I'm facing in my own personal world, in the life of my family and my finances. This is new territory for me. I don't have a manual to draw from. I don't have a great deal of life experience to draw from for this particular type of scenario. I can pluck and pull different things from here and there, but this is a new world that we're currently going through right now. And so I know this. I don't have what it takes so daily what I'm doing is I'm waking up and I'm praying and I'm saying, God, I need wisdom. I need your divine wisdom to come down here to this human body, come down into this finite mind. I need you to download to me and I need you to give me the wisdom. Tell me how to apply the knowledge that I know to my life and my situation so that I can get through this trial and come out the other end and lack nothing, not miss any of the lessons and things that you want to show me as I go through this. The end result of the trial when we go through it with wisdom is that we come out complete and lacking nothing. God wants us to have wisdom and God knows that we need wisdom to get through this particular period in this particular season that we're going through. Would you pray? Would you ask God for wisdom? Would you humble yourself and say, Lord, you know what? I might be, be smart, but I don't know everything. I might have been through some things in life, but I've never been through something like this. And God, I'm going to take you at your word, Lord. You said that if we lack wisdom, then ask. And then you said you'd give it to me. But I like what he goes on after saying that in verse 6. He says this, he says, but ask in faith. Ask in faith expecting it. So in other words, I'm going to ask God for wisdom to get through this period. 
And then when I've asked God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up my spiritual ears. And I'm going to open my spiritual eyes. And I'm going to be looking and listening. Because God, I've asked you for wisdom to get me through this. I've asked you for wisdom to manage the situations that I'm going through. I've asked you for wisdom. Now that I've asked you, God, I believe that the answer's on its way. And I'm going to catch that answer by opening my eyes and opening up my ears and listening and looking. And when that answer comes, I'm going to know it's you. And I'm going to grab it, Lord. And I'm going to apply what I know to my life. And when I do that, I know that I'm going to come through this and come out the other end. And I am going to be lacking nothing.